Real Goddess, Discovering Your Divine Destiny by Sheree Sandal, Episode 26, Accepting What Is. Real Goddess is the most important thing you can know about in your life. It's the end goal of all we become in this life. A wise man said that in this current day and age, women will be seen as different and distinct in the happiest of ways, and that a large gathering of women will rise up in strong numbers, dividing the wicked from the good. And I'm here to rope you in, sister. Well, I read this book maybe uh, two years ago, I would say, called Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. and. In this book, he talked about how you're going to cram all of the good things that you need to do into an hour right when you first wake up. So it's been a while since I read it, but you wake up and the first thing you do, well, the first thing I would do is do the prayer roll. You roll over onto your knees and say a quick prayer, and then you go and you change immediately into your exercise clothes, and then... Oh, from one thing to the next. You exercise for 10 minutes. You meditate for 10 minutes. You read scripture or other um, other encouraging works or books for 10 minutes. And uh, you just do all these things in this one hour span. And then you're going to have everything marked off and you can just go on with your day. And as I read it, there once was a part of me that would be like, oh man, I'm going to try this. I'm going to be all over this. And then there was a part of me that said, why? Why should I try to cram that all into an hour? I think back to a talk that I went to one time at an education week where we heard one speaker after another talk about these things that will make your life better. And... One of the speakers talked about how famous people who have been very successful in their life will get up at 5 or 5.30 in the morning. Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, there was a list of all these people who could just cram so much into their day and they were successful and wonderful people and we should be like them. And as I listened to this, this particular talk was by Randall Wright, who's a really good speaker. But as I listened to it, at first I was encouraged and I thought, well, maybe I can get up at 4.30 or 5 and I can just try to fit so much into my day too. And aren't I going to be awesome and wonderful and productive? And that lasted a few months. And then I thought, why? Why am I doing this? Well, I think there was something that I wanted to prove about myself that I could be this valuable person by getting up and starting my day on the right foot. They say that an ounce of morning is is equal to a pound of afternoon. So whatever you can get done in the morning is going to be so much harder to get done in the afternoon. Well, then my friend forwarded me some information about chronotypes. And this was right at the time that the COVID-19 worldwide pandemic had begun. And I didn't have to get up and go to a job. And I didn't have to get up to get the kids to school and get them off with a nice breakfast. And I didn't have to get up even for church. We didn't have to get up for anything. So I let my body do the work. 
And I just let myself figure out when I was going to go to sleep and when this was going to work the best for me. So in the many months that I allowed myself just to wake up when I was going to or go to sleep when I was going to, I found out that I had a really good sleep pattern sleeping from 12 until 8. Well, as I developed this sleep pattern, I realized some of the reasons why I was trying so hard to be a good early morning riser. And one of them was because I have had family who has told me that I should be up at 6.30 in the morning and I should go to sleep at night at 10.40 p.m. And I should be rising early because the scriptures say early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Actually, I think that's Benjamin Franklin. But the scriptures do say um, to rise early. Well, what if 8 a.m. is early to me? What if that does work for me? And I started to cast away the shame of, shame on you, you slept until 8 or 9 in the morning. Or even if I got up at 6 in the morning, I'd say, shame on you because you normally get, don't get up at this time. So it's like I couldn't even win. No matter when I got up in the morning, I was just waking up thinking, oh, shame on me. I did it again. I just can't seem to get this thing about sleeping. When I was in college, I had this little piece of paper that I wrote and stuck above my bed. So it was actually taped onto the ceiling. And it said, mind over mattress. You know, like mind over matters, mind over mattress. Well, what if I can just accept that I sleep from 12 to 8? And I love that. By the way, the four types of chronotypes are divided into four animals. There's one, the lion, and this lion is the kind of people who wake up early. And then there's the wolf. The wolf is most productive during the late afternoon to early evening. That's probably me. The dolphin is someone who suffers from insomnia, so they get the least amount of sleep. And the bear follows a schedule of about 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., um, a regular pattern of day and night. So think about that. Which one are you? And how does your body work with its biorhythms? That's what these chronotypes are focused around, is the biorhythms of your body and when things actually work the best for you. So when I go to the middle school and play the piano at 8 a.m., my brain has a really hard time functioning till about 9.30 a.m. When all of a sudden my brain clicks on and I can suddenly play the music that I couldn't play an hour ago. And it's kind of funny because I can say, like I've tried to wake up at 6 a.m. in the past and I wanted, I was in the middle of writing a book at this time and I thought, I am going to be inspired at 6 a.m. This is when I'm going to get my most juiciest, meatiest bits for my book. Yet, do you know what? I would go down into my library where my computer was set up waiting for me at 6 a.m. And I would stare at the screen for an hour because my mind was not on. I just sat there and stared at it and thought, okay, at some point, my eyes are going to stay open and I'm going to be inspired. But eventually, it I guess at about 7, I started to get kind of a snarky 
tone to my writing. <laughs> and that book that I wrote called Fonda's Food Secrets during that time is actually pretty hilarious. You can get it on Amazon. <laughs> it is pretty hilarious because it's fairly snarky and not really my normal voice, but it's pretty funny. When I read it, I just have to laugh because it was my 7 a.m. voice. After I'd finally woken up after that hour, I could kind of get going, but it wasn't totally, I would say, my true voice. So, kind of funny. So, what is accepting what is? What does that mean? I've really been pondering on that a lot lately. And I think that the idea of acceptance is to be intentionally present. When you really can be accepting, you are just saying, this is what is right now in the present, and I am intentionally going to be okay with this. And then the thought popped into my head. Well, think about the grief cycle that we hear so much about. There are the five stages of the grief cycle, and it goes from denial, so if something awful happens, or even just, it doesn't even have to be awful. Some people talk about trauma, but it could just be maybe a change of life, a transformation, or uh, something that you're not used to that's no longer there. It doesn't have to be someone dying necessarily. But so the first stage is denial. Then the second is anger. You're going to be angry about that thing. You're going to bargain. Well, if I do this thing, then maybe I can do this thing. And then there's depression is the fourth piece of the cycle. And then the fifth piece is acceptance. And sometimes I think we might say, okay, I accept that that person died, or I accept that Christmas is over and I have to go on, or I accept that I had a bad morning and now my brain is finally clicked on and here I go. But I think that acceptance can also be seen as a way of life, just always being in that state of acceptance. It doesn't necessarily have to always be at the end of a grief cycle, but just knowing that you can be in that place of acceptance is a place, it can bring you much peace. So I've also thought about the pattern of happiness is what I will call it. So... I will be happy when, well, when I was in elementary school, I will be happy when I get into high school. And when I was in high school, I was happier until the thought came, I'll be happier when I get into college. And when I was in college, I loved college, but I would be happier when I have a husband. So when I had a husband, I was happy, except for now I would just be so much happier if I had children. So then once I had children, now I need a nice house, and then I'll be happy. And then when I have a nice car, then I'll be happy. And then when I have my grand piano, I will be happy. And I seriously thought, when I get my grand piano, I will want nothing more in life. Guess what? It didn't work. There were things I wanted after I got my wonderful awesome grand piano that I had custom made for me. Well, it was actually a hundred-year-old piano, but I had it repainted and had a MIDI scan strip stuck underneath the key so that I could plug the piano into my uh, laptop so that I could write music. And it was everything I wanted. And then after that, I wanted the new front of the house. I wanted the house to look nice. I wanted to paint it all and put in some new siding and stuff. 
And then I said, if I can just visit the 46th state that I have not, no, let's see. I had been to 45 states. If I could just visit that 46th state, North Dakota, then I will be happy. And I visited North Dakota and there were still things after that that would make me happier, like maybe going to the 47th state of Maine and 48th state of Vermont, 49th Louisiana, 50th Mississippi, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. So it's never ending. But I will say that there is a part of me that when you do achieve that thing, you really are pretty happy. And then there's like this gap. It's like, yes, oh man, I'm so happy I got that grand piano. Then after a little while, you start to say, oh man, I just want that next thing. I wonder when we pass from this life and become a goddess, will there be always something to look forward to? Will we be accepting right now of what is and just be perfectly happy? Or will we be up there thinking, when will I have my spirit children? And when will those spirit children become real children to experience their own lives down on their own earths? And who will test my patience and unconditional love as a goddess? Will I be looking forward to that change or how will that work? Will I be just so perfect in my thoughts as a goddess that nothing can throw me off and that I will forever be happy and accepting what is right now? Okay, back back to earth. <laughs> how about accepting our kids where they are instead of forcing them our way? Sometimes I think if we can just let them find their way, then later on they don't have to find it aside from you and apart from you who is trying to direct their path and know what is best for them above themselves. I had a really tight wad money uh, father. Sorry, Dad, if you're listening to this. But everything, everything was tied up into the, the money thought of what something would cost, what it's going to do for you or against you and everything was wrapped up in money and when I could finally let go of that grip that money had on me I was able to find some more space for love when I was more free with my money I was able to be more free with love as well and what about our children if we can just stop telling them what they have to do and just accepting them as they are and letting them find their own way they won't have to go through a big old mountain climb that finally when they're 50 50 years old they might decide oh this is actually the thing that I want maybe we can just accept them how they are so that they can find that so much sooner or how about our health accepting is what is right now my belly that just seems to get bigger and bigger with age can I just love that belly that it's full of nourishment and that I have such good food to be able to put into it that makes me so happy? Or how about aging? Can we accept each year that we advance that it just is what it is right now and I am okay with being 46 years old and 46 is the best age there is. And when I'm 47, 47 will be the best age there is. And when I'm 60 and 90, that will be the best age because I'm accepting what is in the present. 
Can we accept that we only have so much energy to go around, so use it wisely? Accept what is right now. If I'm having an off day and not feeling very energetic, can I just accept that maybe today is a puzzle day? And maybe some days are marathon days? And I just accept whatever that day is instead of forcing myself, which some people will say, if you're trying to meet a goal, you just do it whether you feel like it or not. Because we're not really accepting what is if we force ourselves to do things that may be not in our best interest. Can we just accept the energy that we have in a day and go with it and really listen to our bodies um, on that matter? How about accepting others as they are? Maybe those especially who really bother us or who we look at and make some snap judgments of. Could we accept them right now? Accepting what is with them right now, which really is what it means to love unconditionally. When you don't accept others as they are right now, you are loving conditionally, which is not what Christ would have us do, right? So to love others as they are right this minute, with all their foibles and flaws, then we can always be loving someone unconditionally. Plus, we're not going to be able to have that perfection in this life anyway, so maybe we just can accept each other as we are, and then accept that we, ourselves, have those foibles and flaws too, and that we can love ourselves right now, not when I lose or gain 10 pounds, not when I can regularly have a good meal with greens and beans accompanied by a smoothie and love it, not when I stop craving chocolate, but right now, accepting myself right now. How about accepting that maybe I don't have as much direction in my life as I would like right now, and that I have to give up structures and plans that other people seem to follow just fine, and just accepting that maybe my path is entirely different than what I planned on or hoped for, like I thought I would have this way paved before me that I would be a doctor or I would be a school teacher, and here I am being a teacher and an influencer without necessarily the descriptor that lets me know that I am something. Can I just accept that maybe I am just a person that does podcasts on Wednesdays right now? So consider this. If you always have in mind the thing that you want to have or become, like it's something that you're looking forward to in the future that you're just set on having. Well, then perhaps you won't find new variety in your life and the possibilities of miracles as easily. So people talk about having vision boards. They say, look at that thing. Look on your vision board, your little pictures that you've stuck on your board that show where you want to be and what you want to have. And I'm not saying that that's bad, because I've done it before, and I pretty much get everything off my vision board, which I think is amazing. But I think it's kind of a first level, because the level beyond that is opening up to the possibility of anything happening that you don't even know what it is yet. And that as you accept what is right now, 
That means that as the miracles open and unfold, then you are going to be experiencing something you never even had the idea you could possibly experience. All right, so thinking about the goddess, she is a master of accepting what is. Because when she has her final reward, that will be what is. And if she has always accepted what is, then she will be able to have the mindset and the heart of loving what is as the goddess. Which means that we can experience a type and sort of what the goddess, ex- ex- the goddess experiences in the here and now. Let me see if I can make that a little more succinct. If you can know that one day you will be able to accept all the marvelous, wonderful things as a goddess, and we are training to be a goddess right now, then that would mean that we can also have the type and sort of what a goddess would have right now also. You can practice your goddesshood of accepting what is right now and assuming that that's going to be marvelous beyond what is anything you can even imagine could be. That if you open your mind to having what is, then you will always be able to have what is. I hope that's making sense because I can see it in my brain. I can understand it, but I don't know if I can explain that when we are unconditional right now, we will always be unconditional. Things are not conditional upon something happening for our own happiness. They are unconditional, which means you just accept what is. Okay, deep breath. And then I'm going to give you 17 thought shifts. These are are just some thoughts that I've had. I'm not going to say that if they're true or false, and maybe I'll do some podcasts on each of these ideas. But last night, I just started having these downloads of these thought shifts, and I'd like you to think about what they mean to you. We'll go through them kind of quickly, but think about what your opinion is about these thought shifts and why I maybe am suggesting these the way that I am. And they kind of have to do with some of the experiences I've been having lately and some of the summations and I would say personal revelations that I've been receiving about them. Are you ready? Drum roll. Here we go. One, love is not about give and take. Love is freely given without expectation of reward. Two, serving to be loving is not a reciprocal arrangement. Three, if you can freely say no, you can honestly say yes. Four, a gift is always one-sided or it isn't really a gift. Five, emotionally unhealthy people spite healthy people. The healthy are empathetic, not reactive. Six, the bridge between healthy mind and emotions is self-love. Seven, as self-love increases, the general capacity to love improves. Eight, with true self-love, there is no reason to argue with others. 
Nine, any reason to be tethered to God is worth it. Ten, respect breeds connectedness and vice versa. Eleven, a person has arrived when comments, both good and bad, just roll off like a waterproof rain jacket. Twelve, when I really want something, there are some things God wants more for me I don't know about yet. Thirteen, blessed is the person who can feel like a million dollars without it. Fourteen, if one doesn't worry, they can simply expect the good. Fifteen, when something has gone wrong, there's always something right about that. So accept what is, yet keep moving for progression. Sixteen, blessed is the person who doesn't need a title. Seventeen, Letting God prevail may come at the cost of a sure path. Whew! Good thoughts there, eh? I hope you will join me in awakening one million potential goddesses to their divine destiny by sharing this podcast and information with others you think would benefit. And I hope that you'll accept what is in your life right now.